What up, Tisha? Hey, you're changing it up on me. I think I did that to you once upon a time. Amazing. I know. I haven't done that ever. Yeah. We are in what we're tongue-in-cheek calling bad boyfriend month, and it's probably, like, super reductive and not, like, awesome, <laughs> but the alliteration of it just works, and that's just what we've been calling it to ourselves. Yeah, we haven't even discussed what we're officially going to call this this month, but we are doing a theme month that seems to have a running theme of bad boyfriend stories. Yeah. They're so much deeper than that. I mean, the, the, that, that's what I mean, how it's kind of reductive <laughs> to call it that, but I also love how it sounds. Yeah, so... We're just going to go with the bad boyfriend month and, and just know that it's from us, so it's not that surface. And we're actually hoping that we could get like a little compilation of maybe some like short bad boyfriend stories that you guys might have. Yeah. And we have designed a way for you to share like a little voice note with us. So it can be completely anonymous. And we'd like to maybe kind of clip those together and make something if we can. But we need people to tell us their bad boyfriend stories. And we know you have them. Everyone has a bad boyfriend story. Or a bad girlfriend story. Bad relationship story. Any red flags that come up. And... Yes, we always have women or non-binary or female identifying humans on the show. But if there are any dudes who listen, you are welcome to leave one too. Like this is, yeah. this is you know, open season to share your, your stories. And the, there, I don't think there's a recording limit. Like, I mean, we don't want you leaving a 20-minute voice note. Because if you got a 20-minute story, you just tell us and we'll do an episode submit a guest request but yeah you can just record it send it to us and whether we just like compile these and release them or we compile them and like give some of our own commentary you know who knows we don't know which we're, what we're gonna do but we want your stories so yes bad boyfriend month is here and it started do you have a quick red flag yeah so my first boyfriend was 17 and I was 14 or he might have even been 18 Ooh. or 15 I don't know there was like maybe I was 15 and he was 18 I think that's what it was yeah I was 15 and he was 18 and I went to an all-girls school I had like no experience with guys before I went to high school and it was a girls school and while like you could meet boys like didn't happen often so this was a friend of a guy that my neighbor was dating my good friend and my neighbor so he was older but he wasn't very smart but I was like oh this boy likes me and he wants to kiss me and like you know like when you're 15 and like have not had much experience yeah he likes you that's it yeah right that's all you need <laughs> we've been hanging out for like a month like you know group things and we finally had like a date and we were at his folks house and they weren't there and like I was 15 and I loved me some Disney movies so like legit we rented like Beauty and the Beast or something and watched it and we're like you know snuggling or whatever like we weren't even like making out or anything I wasn't looking at him we were watching the movie and he told me he loved me hmm. and even at 15 I knew that was weird felt a little cringe but I also was 15 and had no experience so I didn't know what to do so I just said it back yes right I can see that absolutely right like 
Thankfully, yeah. he was a pretty, like, respectful 18-year-old. Like, I think of, like, a 15-year-old dating an 18-year-old now, and it's like, oh, like, dude's pressuring her for sex. Right. There was, there was like, legit none of that, you know. Like, there was definitely some, like, making out and, you know, age appropriate for me, probably not for him, things. So, anyway, cut to three months later when I broke up with him because I was finally like, this is fucking weird. He's like, but you, you said you loved me. And I think I was like, well, I don't think I really knew what that meant. <laughs> but I was lying. <laughs> and it's like, when I think about it, like, when you talk about red flags, I'm like, I mean, I had one, like, really on my very first, like, official date. That was a fucking red flag. And I kind of knew it. <laughs> yeah. So you trust your intuition. Yeah. Well, that love bombing has come up in a lot of interviews we've done as of late well yeah for this month um yeah. yeah love bombing is a thing uh yeah and i think it's an easy thing to kind of fall victim of although i do, i just i think it was just more like oh my god a boy likes me right mm -hmm. what about you i know it's been a million years since oh you've dated, my gosh but... i so i never online dated online dating did exist like before I had met my husband, but, um, oh, I, da I definitely dabbled in match.com. Yeah, Andy no, Ryan. I, I never had used any of those sites. So I have no, um, online dating experience. Um, yeah, I mean, this could, I have like stories that could be entire episodes probably. Uh, but... You have so many stories that could be entire episodes. So I used to be a bank teller. I may have yes. told you the story before. I have no idea. I used to be a bank teller and there was this guy who used to come in all the time and deposit money into his account. So he had an account that he had, did not have attached to his bank card because he was trying to save money for a trip he was going on. Smart. So yeah. So then he's like, I definitely won't spend it. So he had to come in to actually put money in it. So, right. um, we used to flirt back and forth. And then like, he actually started waiting for me. Like if he wasn't the next, like if somebody else opened up before me, he would wait for me. And eventually he asked for my phone number and we talked a few times and we went out, like let's say we'd gone on maybe two dates. And then this one day he had come into the bank and it was Friday and he was like, Hey, like, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going to, my friend and I were going to go visit his girlfriend at her work. She works at a bar. I can pick you up when you're done. We can go if you're interested. I was like, yeah, for sure. Like, cool. He took me, I swear to God, this is a true story. So we're going to go visit his friend's girlfriend at work who works in a bar, except sure. it's a strip joint. And his friend's girlfriend is a stripper. No. So uh, this is like, I'm going to say third date, something like that. And I'm in a strip joint, but I'm like, I'm going to play it cool. I can, I can do a strip joint. It's fine. I'm progressive. I've been, in, I had been in strip joints before, if I'm being transparent, it's not my first uh, go, but definitely not a date type situation. That's not a date. Yeah. I mean, definitely strip joint. No. Okay. If he takes you to a strip joint, it's, it's bad. Red flag. Red flag. So while we're there, this guy's trip he'd been saving up for was coming up. Like it was in a few days and his friend starts talking about 
how this guy who I'm had gone on a couple dates with, and I'm in some ways on a date with at a strip joint. Yeah. He's talking about how he's going to Jamaica with his girlfriend. So this guy I'd been dating actually had a girlfriend and he didn't think to tell his friend ahead of time that he was what like by the way i'm bringing this girl she doesn't know i have a girlfriend because this guy was just like very casual like i think he said the girl's name i was like what the fuck is going on i'm kind of like whatever i'm pissed but like i'm not gonna cause cause a scene well you're also like not that invested in it right i'm not that invested in it and i'm also like processing like my mind is going like a mile a minute like trying to figure out like what is going on here and then he's like, I'm going to go get a lap dance. I'm like, I'm out. Like at that point, like <laughs> he's going to get a lap dance. I'm going to leave. Peace. Yeah. I'm just going to leave now. Yeah. It's enough. Like you brought me to a strip You joint. have a girlfriend. Turns out you have a girlfriend. Now you're getting a lap dance. Like you're not the one. <laughs> so he drove me there. I didn't have my, I didn't have a car with me. Oh, this is pre-Uber. Oh yeah, this is pre-Uber. So I call a cab and I'm waiting out front, but I'm standing as a single woman. In front of a strip club. <laughs> Which is not something you want to do, ladies. No. So some customer or whatever is harassing me and the bouncer is like, come inside. He's going to deal with this guy. Okay, now there's like a whole kerfuffle because I guess this guy has caused problems before. I don't even know. There's this whole kerfuffle and I'm now inside and you can't see outside because like strip joints, like everything's blacked out. Yeah. So I miss my cab. In all this kerfuffle, the cab comes. I don't see it. It leaves. So now I'm standing out front going, okay, what the fuck am I going to do? I'm about to call another cab and out comes this guy. He's like, hey, I'm really sorry about that. Let me give you a ride home. Oh, he decides to show up now and be like so- a human. <laughs> this is like the worst date of my life. And so I'm like, yes, please. Actually, that would be fucking fantastic. So on the drive home, I'm like talking to him about his girlfriend, his girlfriend, <laughs> And you know what he fucking says to me? I have to swear when I tell this story. He says, yeah, I do have a girlfriend. And, you know, like I've been sneaking around behind her back to like call you and to come see you. And I have a feeling like she's getting suspicious and that I'm probably going to get caught. And like you haven't even made it worth my while. What? And He then basically suggested that I should have sex with him to have made all of this trouble he's been going to worth it because I have not had sex with him. Because you happen to be the cutest teller at the bank? Like, it's not like you weren't pursuing him. No, I was not pursuing him. And he thought I should make it worth his while. Oh, my. And that is way better stories than I do. End of that story. And I would say if any guy ever takes you to a strip joint, just just leave, just leave, just leave. Unless that's your jam. If that's your jam, go with it. Yeah. But if it's not, just leave.
I tend to be maybe a little non-confrontational. I'm like, I'm going to keep it classy. I'm going to play it cool. I'm not going to cause a scene. I'm going to keep it classy at a strip club. That's me. Yep. Not going to cause a scene at a strip joint. Well, you don't have to cause a scene. You can just be like, (laughs) I'm out. Like, that's not a scene. When he got a lap dance, I'd had enough. That was my threshold. Maybe make your threshold be before the lap dance if it's not your jam. So yeah, if everyone, anyone's ever talking about like bad date stories or something like that, that's like my go-to story. That's my one. So this week though, we are talking with Heather Rovett, who if you're in Toronto, last some, no, in the spring, there was an article in Toronto Life about her story. And that's how we found her. It's a crazy story that I don't know she was great to talk to she was really open with us yeah and, you know really really was willing to share it all it's really horrible that she had to deal with what she did have to deal with so the article um was called the many faces of Jason Porter and it came out in March in Toronto Life magazine I will link it in the show notes so that you yeah. can go and read the story but you're not gonna have to read it because you're gonna hear it from her yourself so we hope you enjoy it leave us a voice note tell us about your dating red flag support us on patreon because in conjunction with bad boyfriend month i've been sitting on this for a bit we have um carling from the i did not sign up for this pod who uh had told us a two-parter of like (sighs) nightmare story that you want to listen to so i'll be releasing the first part and uh yeah definitely want to do that and plus you get a discount on our merch site so get over there join them Hi, and welcome back to the Now What Pod. I'm Jen. And I'm Tisha. This week, we are talking to Heather Rovette, who is a real estate broker. And we initially contacted Heather because of a article that was about her and about this story in Toronto Life. And it took us a while to finally get to actually recording this episode today, but we are so thankful that you have agreed to share your story on the podcast and that you are here with us so welcome Heather thank you thank you for having me and you yourself are actually getting ready to launch a podcast as well called hello cougar right hello cougar podcast love it so So we have to make sure that we mention that yes that as well definitely (laughs) definitely and we'll tell people where they can find that Absolutely. In our show notes. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. So you were saying before we started recording that you're just about a year out from this kind of, I guess, the the, the culmination of mm-hmm. the whole story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this episode, I don't know if we told you, we're doing a theme month on bad relationships, narcissists, bad boyfriends, things like that, which mm-hmm. the timing of it actually for for us couldn't be more perfect so I guess I know you're well versed at telling your story so would you kind of take us through what horrors you went through last year so in the summer of 2018 I had just finished renovating my condo in Toronto at Young and St. Clair and the cabinet the company I'd used to build all the do the kitchen cabinets and the bathroom vanities sent their service guy to do some fixes. And I mean, in a nutshell, (laughs) I opened the door and I was greeted by a very cute, 
charming man who I assumed we were roughly the same age. And he came in and so after he finished what he needed to do, I kind of coyly asked him if he wouldn't mind helping me do a couple other things because I hadn't hung the towel bars or the hooks in the bathroom. And he said, sure, no problem. And we got to talking. I mean, in a long story short, that day led to lunch, which led to texting and talking, which led to a proper first date a couple of weeks later. And that first date led to a relationship that lasted just over three years. I was, for the most part, really, really happy, really head over heels in love. We, we had a, we had a pretty good time together. The first, that first summer we were together, he rode a motorcycle. The first gift he ever bought me was a motorcycle helmet. We'd go everywhere on his bike. He had been in a relationship before me that it's hard to, because I know now it's all lies. Right. I, I knew I, whatever he told me, I believed it to be the truth. So he had said his, the woman he was with before me, he'd never really been in love with her. But when he found out she was pregnant, he said, for the sake of a child, you try and make the relationship work. But by the time we, I met him, it had sounded like he had been out of that relationship for a good eight months. And that they were going through the family court system to work out custody and child stuff. And as a woman who's never had kids, I took everything he said at his word. Mm-hmm. Um, but things were things were good. We had a nice, a nice, a nice life. I w- would run into friends probably like for the first six months after we got together, and people would be like, "You're just glowing," and I'd be like, "I fell in love." <laughs> and people asked how we met. And I said, he literally showed up at my door. I didn't have to, I was, I've always been a bit adverse to online dating. Mm-hmm. So I can go into all the details, but in a nutshell, after three years of being together by the summer of 2021, I had noticed some shifts in his behavior that I didn't really love, but I just chalked it up to spending so much time together and COVID and we actually, at that point, we're living in Aurora. I had sold my condo and we moved up to Aurora and we're living on in this beautiful house that was on five acres of property. And he just started being, I don't know, he was working all the time and something in him had shifted. And then the way this all fell apart was towards the end of July, we had a fight. And most couples, after you have a fight, you tend to, you maybe take a day or two and you give it a breather and you make up. But this fight, a couple of days after the fight, he was still not able to forgive me for the comment I made, which was, so back it up to the weekend before, or the week, the weekend of the fight, I was trying to get an answer of him. My cousins who lived in Aurora were having a barbecue pool party the next weekend. And I was trying to get an answer out of him when he might be finished with his son's visits visit so we could go and he wouldn't give me a straight answer and all I said was what babe you do your family I'll do mine and when I said you do your family I'll do mine meaning the whole time we were together the family court had never been resolved it just kept getting pushed and pushed and he only had two supervised visits with his son a week and I never met his son in the whole time we were together because if I were to have met his son his ex who knew everything about him would have had to have told me 
which I think that's a whole other thing. I think she should have told, she could have warned me because when I first started dating him, thank you to Facebook, her and I had a mutual friend, a couple of mutual friends. And one of my friends that used to go to junior school with her actually messaged her on Facebook and she replied to my friend. This is like the first month I'm dating him. She replies to my friend, I don't want to talk about that man. I'll let the family court decide. So she could have saved me. I don't know. I, I can't speculate. I don't know if I would have listened to her or if I would have just chalked it up to her being. Yeah, jealous. exactly. Because lots of women have received kind of warnings about yeah. some guy that they're newly yeah. mad about from the ex-girlfriend. And they think, oh, she's just the bitter ex-girlfriend, yeah. ex-wife, whatever. Exactly. However, and the men can be really good at being, oh, she's crazy. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? exactly, exactly, exactly. So, but the difference is if you Google him before the Toronto Life Story came out, if you Google him by his real name, which is Jason Porter, there were there was stuff all in the news about him in 2011, 2012, because he had been arrested and basically was the original online Romeo defrauding women. And she knew this. So she, but she chose not to warn me. So it is what it is. Like, yeah, we all have, we all have our karma. So anyhow, so when I said, you go do your family, I'll do mine. I'm referring to his visit with his son and, and his ex. Cause she supervised the visit. So yeah. So I'm, he just, he, he just used that comment as a means to hold it against me and I guess in his world he was already moving on to the next person unbeknownst to me because I guess all the lies that he had been telling me for three years were he just he couldn't keep it up and the biggest lie of all was the family court stuff because okay every week I'd be like when are you going back to court when am I going to get to meet your son we had a, I, I had furnished a bedroom for him in the house. I'd bought this kid clothes, presents, toys, books, you name it. There was a room ready to go. I was so excited. We had this huge house and we had moved to Aurora so he could be closer to his son who lives in Richmond Hill. It was literally a 10 minute, 15 minute car drive from our house to where he lives with his mom. Okay. So one week after this fight, I went down to the city for a few days, came home. He still wouldn't come to sleep in our bed. He just, he was, I haven't, I, I just, I haven't felt this low Heather since my mother died. And it just kept going on and on and on. And I was beside myself being upset. And then he agreed to go to, to see a therapist with me, but then literally probably by the second week of August, he just stopped even sleeping in our house. Like he stopped coming home. He said he was sleeping at the office in Toronto or that he'd just be sleeping in the car. And I was like, but what? Like we have this huge house. Like we have because of that one comment. Yeah. Was it was it a big fight, like a a brawl or anything? It wasn't like a full. So when I say brawl, I don't mean like physically. I mean like screaming. If anything, so he came home from his son's visit that Sunday, and he'd been gone all weekend. Friday night, he was out allegedly doing a quote for a new client and then Saturday he was just tired and I'm the type of person I like to do things I want to go out for dinner I maybe want to go to a movie I want to go for a motorcycle ride I want to get out and do something I don't want to be stuck in my semi-rural house in Aurora where I didn't have a ton of friends up there because I'm from Toronto 
And I was just feeling like the walls were closing in. So when he came back that Sunday from his visit with his kid, he said, I'm still so upset about your comment. I need to go clear my head. I'm going to go for a motorcycle ride. I was like, well, I'll go with you. Because of him, I learned how to ride a motorcycle. I bought a brand new motorcycle. I'm like, let's go together. He's like, no, no, I need some time alone. I was like, fine. So he left and I was so upset. And I just had felt like I'd been home for too long. I guess I had a couple drinks and he was gone for a long, he was gone for a good three hours. And that's a long motorcycle ride. And I was actually starting to get worried. And then he came back and I, I think I was a bit, I was definitely a bit buzzed at that point. And I even asked him, I'm like, are you cheating on me? Like, what is going on? And he said, no, never. You're the love of my life. Never want to be with anyone else. I just need some space. I'm really upset by what you said. I'm like, okay. And then he's like, I need a cigarette. I remember this. He's like, I need to buy some smokes. I'm like, fine. So we went out again. I'm like, albeit in Aurora where we lived, it's easily 10 minutes to get anywhere. So he was gone for another half hour. He came back. And at that point, I think I had, my mom actually thinks he drugged me, but I don't really recall exactly what happened, except what would happen is six weeks later, he would claim to the police that I had assaulted him that night and he had evidence to prove it. But you have to understand he's just shy of six feet and probably weighs 200 pounds and he's muscly. There's no way I would have hurt him, but I don't remember. Like, I don't remember all the details and I don't know if that's because I drank so much or I'm just have blocked it out. But Mm -hmm. that night he left and I cried myself to sleep. And then the following couple of days later, I went to the city, came home. He was still upset with me. So I went away to visit some other friends for a few days up in Collingwood, came back and it just, we never slept under the same roof again. He just wouldn't forgive me. And he would say things like, I haven't felt this low since my mother died. I don't know if I'll ever be able to trust you around my son because of getting, and it just kept going on and on. And by the end of August, we'd actually gone to two, two hour counseling sessions with a good therapist, but it was never going to make a difference because in his mind, literally he had checked out. Now what I know about narcissists and the cycle of narcissistic abuse, he had already just completely, what's the last stage? There's idealization, devalue. He had discarded me. He was done with our life. He was out the door. I remember once he would come by the house every now and then in August, either to get more clothes or he needed a place to hang out, I guess. And I just couldn't understand what was going on because it made no sense. We had this beautiful house in Aurora. I had bought a business in the end of 2020, which was a furniture and decor business. And this house was so big that I had transformed the entire lower level of the house, essentially. It's about 3,000 square feet with 14 foot ceilings and its own walkout. I turned that into a furniture and decor showroom. So you'd walk in and you wouldn't know you were in my house. It was beautiful. And I never in my wildest dreams thought that it was going to end how it ended. Meaning even when we were going to therapy and I was crying myself to sleep every night in August and I was trying to figure it out. I thought we were going to work through it. And I remember at one point, my a girlfriend came over with this shaman lady to my house in August. And the shaman lady was like, your house is so beautiful. I can feel the loving energy here. And I told her what was going on. And she said, all you have to do is tell him that you're here and you're holding the space for him. And when he's ready, you're going to be here with loving arms. And I told him that at one point. And he was like, don't put that pressure on me, Heather. 
And <laughs> I was like, okay. And then another time he came home, came by the house and he said, and this really got me, but he said to me, Heather, I wouldn't be this upset with you if I'd walked in and caught you fucking somebody in our bed. I'm like, are you serious? And then at one I point- think I think what said, you said was that it wasn't. And like- then I know. And then at one point I remember- he actually had missed our therapy session, but he said, I'll come by the house tonight so we can talk. And I think he must have recorded our conversation. And I think that might have been his evidence for the police to claim he, I assaulted him because I remember looking at, we were sitting across from each other at the dining room table. And, and I said, you have to tell me what happened that night because I don't remember everything. You have to tell me what I did to have gotten us to this point because I'm so upset and I love you so much. And I just want to fix this and it's now going on five weeks and this just is so hard and so he proceeded to re and tell me what I did apparently I clocked him on the nose and I did this and I did that and I had no recollection I honestly had no recollection and again that night he left and I was calling the therapist between sessions because we're supposed to be working this out don't you think that involves like communicating and spending some time together and the therapist was like yes and this is a guy who before that fight used to, if he were out and about, he would call, oh, that's so Canadian. If he were out running around doing errands or on a job site or something, he would be calling and texting me all day. He was in constant communication with me. So you can imagine what it's like when your partner of three plus years now is not sleeping under your roof. And he's now going sometimes three, four days without even communicating with me. Mm-hmm. But I just kept saying, I'm holding the space. I'm holding the space. So the other nugget is when I bought the business, I had bought us a desktop Mac to work off of and share. And he was the primary user on the computer, but I had my own user. So when I would log in to the big desktop, it would try to talk to my laptop to communicate. And where we lived in Aurora had the worst internet. It was the worst. I would be doing during the lockdowns, I'd be doing Zoom yoga classes and it would freeze. It was just so bad. I wanted to get a Peloton, but there was no point because the internet was so slow. So I would always ask, babe, what's the password for the Mac? He's like, you have your user. It's your password. I'm like, no, the primary, because it's just, it's so slow. And he would tell me and it would never work. And one day I didn't realize because he often would use my laptop if he were working late at night. He'd be working on the desktop and he would take my laptop and maybe have a movie or something going in the background. So I didn't realize that Chrome saves passwords. This, For some reason, this thing popped up and it showed me all these different websites and that we both used and passwords. And I started to notice a theme in his password because we're all kind of creatures of habit. We use the same password over and over. So I was like, huh, I wonder if that's it. So I go to the lap, the desktop and I type it in and boom, I'm in. And this was the Friday of Labor Day weekend. And I was completely not prepared for what I found, which was essentially, he was on multiple dating websites, not only currently then, but had been basically throughout our entire relationship. And I was able to get into one of his online dating accounts. And it's not like he was talking with a couple women. He was talking with hundreds, wow. hundreds of women. And that kind it, of energy. Oh, he barely slept. That's the thing. He had the weirdest sleeping habits. So that was kind of the first thing you found that was suspect was these dating sites. 
Yeah. So like it mentioned in the article and why this alarmed me was in the end of May or June of 2020, when we were just in, I think we were still in the first lockdown. I had a girlfriend call me and she was like, I have to tell you something and I don't know how to tell you. So I'm just going to come out and tell you. I'm like, okay. She's like, I just saw Jace on Bumble, but it's a different name. I'm like, what are you talking about? We're together all the time. We're in lockdown. He loves me. He's the love of my life. We've been together for over two years now. Like it's a, what? No. Yeah. So I swear to you, I don't know if Jace had my phone bugged, but as soon as I hung up the phone with her, he called me and I'm a terrible poker player and he could tell something was wrong. And I was like, what time are you going to be home? He's like, later, why? I said, no reason. I just, I want to talk to you about something. And he's like, what? I'm like, don't worry about it. Wait till you get home. But he, he, he must've sensed or he was eavesdropping through it somehow. Something was wrong. And so I told him and he raced home and was showing me that he had emailed Bumble and that they were taking down the profile. It wasn't him. He'd been set up. And I believed him because I've had my face literally used to make fake profiles. People, years ago, I got a phone call at one of my, the brokerage I was at at the time that from some guy in Boston, that somebody was using my picture with a different name and was actually trying to solicit people for money. I've had my Instagram hacked. Like this, it we all know it happens. Yeah. happened. Yeah. And and he told me he felt he thought it was his ex's brother-in-law who must be doing this to get back at him because apparently he had some dirt on his ex's brother-in-law and it was retaliation. And I was like, I guess I just, I believed him. So that same friend had sent me an email, which I went back when I got into the computer and reread everything and opened the links to some of the things she had sent me which was basically somehow my friend had figured out exactly who he was which is that he isn't jace peretti or jace parati he is in fact jason porter and like i was saying in 2012 jason porter had been arrested for multiple counts of fraud and breaking and entering and he was all over the six o'clock news because there was a warrant out for his arrest and they were calling him the online romeo so my feeling was that the guy had never stopped like he obviously yeah. he got out of so jail. your friend had sent you links to newspaper articles but you had never opened the links the only link I opened because I knew look I knew he had gone to jail okay he, a couple months into our relationship we had a really long talk and he told me but again the story he told me was very different than the truth of and he made was. himself seem like wrong place, wrong time, bad legal advice. And my feeling was like, you went to jail, you went to prison, you got the short end of the stick. Anyone who knows you knows that's not you, but now I know it is him. Like it really was, if I've learned anything all this, people don't change and he never changed. I think if someone's gonna open up and say that they were in jail, you're not gonna question whether they're telling you the truth or not. And he's telling it in this intimate type of conversation that you're having, yeah. right? Like it's right. just between the two of you and he's opening up and yeah. So the only, the one thing that I did read that my friend had sent me was a family court document from his first marriage. And I had known he had been married to this woman, but what I, when I read this family court document and I, and it, 
it mentioned two sons. And I was like, that's so weird. I'm like, he has other kids. Like, and I, I asked him about it. I said, my friend also sent me this art, this family court document. Like you have two other sons. And he said, no, he goes, my, my wife had had them. Like I adopted them. They were my stepsons, but no, they're not my blood, Heather. And he said, if they were my sons, do not think I would be fighting for them as hard as I'm fighting for my son's son, the one that he was going to. And, and trust me, the only thing we really ever fought about in three years was the family court, his ex, and the whole situation. I get when you date someone with kids that it might take six months to a year to meet their kids. I get that. But two years in, three years in, it was just too much. It was just so yeah annoying. And the way he had set it up, it was again, he deflected everything. It was never his fault. It was the system. It was his ex. And to be honest, I kind of hated his ex. I've talked to her since mm -hmm. I discovered the truth and she, and she's a lovely woman. And, and, she, and my heart goes out to her because she actually has to have a relationship with him because of the kid, mm -hmm. but she's nothing like he made her out to seem. And that's something that I now realize is a huge red flag when you're dating anyone is there's no reason to bash exes, right? Like if somebody is the only one that's wrong. That's just not life, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I guess what I realized there sitting at the computer that day when I went back and realized, like read that email, did some more Googling, found more stuff in the computer. It was as if our relationship were a house of cards and it just came crumbling down. Everything was a lie. Everything was a lie. Those were his kids. He he was constantly online. The other thing, my mom, for a couple months, like in the late spring, early summer, kept saying she was missing things. She was like missing a Gucci purse and she was missing this bracelet. And they live between the country and the city. So she's like, maybe it's in the city. And then she'd go to the city. She's like, no, it's not there. She's like, are you sure you haven't seen this stuff? I'm like, no. And she's like, well... I guess she, she goes, it must be the cleaning lady. So she asked the cleaning lady who had worked with her for a long time and she got so insulted, she quit. So then <laughs> she did. So then my mom hired another cleaning service. So I guess like a Molly maze where they send in a few people to clean. This is in their country house. And you have to also understand where my parents live in the country, especially during lockdowns, they're on a 65 acre farm. People don't break and enter. Not only that, but being the ages they are, they really didn't go to a lot of places. Yeah, because a lot COVID. of older people were very yeah. afraid. I mean, yeah. a lot of people in general were very yeah. afraid. But yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. So it wasn't like anybody broke into their house. Right. So I found in the computer in his one of his many, many, many email accounts pictures of my mom's jewelry. Kijiji ads for him selling it. And I was just sick to my stomach. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. But I'll tell you this. When I first got into the computer and started seeing you've been matched, you've been matched, blah, blah, whatever the emails are. I couldn't believe what I was reading. And my first reaction, I called him. Cause I was like, this doesn't make any sense. What is going on? I called him and he didn't answer right away at all. I'm going to say it was like three o'clock in the afternoon. He didn't call me back until about nine o'clock at night so you can imagine how long I'd been in the computer for and how much more I found oh yeah I had yeah. so many screenshots it was insane I just kept screenshot 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 printing this it was crazy and he finally called me back and he was a bit cold on the phone and he's like you called so I decided I was going to play 
it as cool as I could to not give away what I had discovered. And I just said, yeah, you're my boyfriend. We're supposed to be working on us. Like what's going on? He goes, well, I figured you were going away for the weekend. It's the long weekend. I'm like, well, up until like a month ago, Jace, I did everything with you on the weekend. So no, I'm not going away. I said, I actually have people coming to the showroom tomorrow. So I'm working. And then we talked a bit more and he said, well, I'm feeling better. I'll be home soon. Or he goes, this will be over soon. I'm like, over soon? Like we're going to break up or over you're coming home. He's like, no, I'll be home soon. He goes, well, why don't we do something on Sunday? And so we decided he would, he would come by the house and we'd have dinner on Sunday. And I think I paused and I probably I said something like, I just, I feel like I don't even know who you are anymore, Jace. And he was like, what do you mean? And I was like, I don't know. How can we go from doing everything together to being so distant? And that's when he said, don't worry, it'll be over soon. And then I remember hearing crickets and I don't know about you, but I grew up in Toronto and I never, you never really hear crickets in the city. No. Cause I asked him, where are you? He said, oh, I'm in Toronto. We just got back to the workshop. We're unloading the truck. I'm like, you guys are working really late for a Friday night. He's like, yep. And then I was like, oh, I hear crickets. What's so weird. I didn't know there were crickets in Toronto. But he wasn't in Toronto. <laughs> so we said goodbye. Probably I love you. Bye. And I kid you not, within five minutes of hanging up that phone conversation, I was kicked out of the email accounts that I was in. And the one online dating site I was on, all of a sudden, it was like, we're sorry to see you go. So he must have somehow figured out I was on to him. Like, I don't know. He, he's pretty tech savvy. So there might be a way that you can tell if someone's I don't know. All I know is I was kicked out and I was like, ah. But you had screenshotted a lot of stuff. Already. And then the other weird thing is, so for my company that I bought, which was called Graphis, he was the, our IT guy. And he must have, there must have been at least five or six other Graphis email accounts he had created that I had no idea even existed. One was even his son's name at graphis.ca. And I was like, Oh my God. So I was in those and screenshotting as much as I could. And before he called, I'd been on the phone with a girlfriend and I was just so upset. And we got off the, I called her back as soon as I got off the phone with her, him. And she ended up taking an Uber from downtown Toronto up to Aurora. And her and I stayed up just trying to make sense of this. And I guess I must have eventually fallen asleep. And the next day I woke up and the people coming to the show were actually my sister and her boyfriend. They were coming to buy, look at furniture because her boyfriend was moving into a new place. And so I remember messaging my sister early and just saying, you have to get here as soon as you can, like now. And she was like, what's going on? I'm like, I'm not going to tell you until you get here. And so she, she came with her boyfriend and my other girlfriend had slept over and an other girlfriend came and we just, I told everybody everything and everybody was just so shocked and didn't know what to do mm -hmm. but my sister's boyfriend was like you have to call the police I'm like okay so I called the York region police and they came to the house and I told them everything I'm like look it, he's it's the online Romeo from 10 years ago and he's still doing it like he's still look at all these messages like look at all this and they're like it's not a crime I'm like but you're not worried they're like well has he hurt you and I and and I said, physically? And they're, and they're like, yes. And I'm like, well, never really, like not on purpose. He's never beat me. Yeah. And I'm like, but he hasn't been here in like five weeks. Like he stopped sleeping in our home. Like, like 
Oh no, it's because I said to the cops, I'm like, well, I think I'm going to change the locks. We were renting this house. And they're like, well, you can't. You're both tenants on the lease. I'm like, he hasn't slept here in five weeks. I'm not worried about it. And then I said, well, what about, here's proof that he's stolen my mom's stuff. And they're like, well, that's up to your mom to go to her local police and report. And I was like, oh, oh, wow. okay, well, and I, and I said, but what about this document? So the one family court document that I went back and reread talked about how he had to go to anger management. He like punched a hole in the wall and, and the cops were like, well, if he comes back and you're afraid, just call 911. I'm like, okay. I can't tell you how I let down I felt by the police. Like, I was just like, I can't, I can't believe they couldn't help me. And I said, what about a restraining order? And they're like, again, they're like, well, has he hurt you? I'm like, well, no, but I'm afraid. They're like, he hasn't done anything. Emotionally, like, he's hurt me. But does that thing, not? The system, the system is so flawed. Our system doesn't yeah. recognize like emotional abuse, psychological abuse, financial abuse. It really only is if they physical beat you so cops leave I get a locksmith in to change the locks and so then I was like Jenny that's my sister you have to tell mom and dad I, I don't even know how to tell them this like what yeah what am I supposed like they my, my mom loved him my mom loved him he used to talk to my mom almost every day he'd be like let's FaceTime your mom and he would call her ma or he would refer to my parents as his not-in-laws like we I come from a very tight loving family and he was very much a part of our family. Like everybody welcomed him with open arms. And so my sister told my parents and my mom, she's such an angel. She's so amazing. She actually got in her car. She lives an hour away from Aurora. She got in her car and drove to me to console me. Cause I was at that point, like catatonic in bed. Cause I didn't know what to do. I didn't, I didn't know what to do. So then I found out that the man you've been with for three years is not who he says he is like including lying about his name yeah I guess when he got out of prison in 2014 I think he legally changed it okay and when he met me in 2018 he had finally legally changed it from Jason Porter to Jace Parati but I always knew him as Jace Parati <laughs> different spelling so he kind of goes by several different aliases so yeah so the next day on the Sunday, my parents went to their local police station and because they were at their country place, they had to go to the OPP in Orangeville and they filed a report. And at this point, I guess I'd emailed my mom that some of the evidence I'd gotten off the computer. And he was also all summer had been driving around in my dad's Mercedes SUV because he was originally going to help my dad sell it because my dad doesn't drive anymore and then he decided what I'm going to buy this car from your dad so him and my dad had a little side deal I think he was buying it totally undervalued let's say he was going to buy it for five thousand dollars he had been driving around in it for a couple months now and he had only sent my dad an e-transfer for five hundred dollars he had not transferred ownership he was driving around with expired plates and using my dad's insurance. And my dad was already getting pissed off about it before. He had mentioned it a few times in August to me. I'm like, I don't know. He's not coming by the house. It's your car. You talk mm -hmm. to him. You have to Pick up the it, phone yeah. and call him. Yeah. But heaven forbid he had an accident. It would have been my dad's insurance. My dad's a 78-year-old man. That's just not fair. Yeah. So the OPP suggestion to my dad to get his car back was you should message Jace and tell him that you want your car back by a certain date and time. And if you don't, you're going to call the cops and report it stolen. 
So as soon as my dad sent that message right away, Jace calls me. It's now five o'clock on Sunday night and I don't answer. My girlfriend's still at the house with me. I'm like, oh my God, it's him. And then I get a text message from him saying, what the fuck is going on? I'll be home in 20 minutes. And I'm thinking, why are you only 20 minutes away? If you're in Toronto, Aurora is not 20 minutes away. But I changed the lock. So like Chris and I ran around and made sure everything was locked and closed. And I called 911 because the cop said, if you're scared, call 911. So I called 911 and I told them what was that my ex was coming to the house and I was terrified. Could they send some cops? And while I'm on the phone with 911, he arrives, pulls up in my dad's truck and he goes to put his key in the door and he realizes it's not working. So he tries another door. It's not working. Next thing I know, he's coming in through a window and I don't know. Somehow he managed to unlatch a window from the outside. They're the kind of windows that cranked open. So I don't know how he managed to come in through the window, but he came in through the window and our bedroom in, in Aurora was on the main floor. The master bedroom is on the main floor and I'm on the phone with 911 on the, we had a landline and I come running out. I come probably full adrenaline and in shock and I'm just start screaming. You're such a liar. I know everything's a lie. Blah, blah, blah. The cops are on their way. And he just looks at me and shrugs. He's like, I, I never told you any lies. And he went and made himself a cup of coffee at the espresso machine. Oh, cool as and, a cucumber? Yeah, cool as a cucumber. <laughs> and I'm shaking and just like, honest, when I say like adrenaline, I'm oh, like, yeah. ah. So Your cop- friend is with you though. My friend's with me, but she's okay. terrified. So she's of hiding course. in the closet on <laughs> her cell phone. In the She's in my walk-in closet on her <laughs> cell phone talking to my parents. Oh well, God. I'm on the landline with 911. So I guess eventually I hang up 911 because the cops are there. So they send two cops, a guy cop and a girl cop. The guy cop takes Jace outside and the woman cop keeps me inside. And then they go and chat. And then the woman cop comes back in and she says, we're now just waiting for the sergeant. I'm like, well, the sergeant was here yesterday. Why are you waiting for the sergeant? They're like, because he's claiming you assaulted him. I'm like, good Lord, are you kidding me? So back to the fight in July, I apparently assaulted him now. And he's trying to use that against me to get me in trouble. So my friend who's in the closet is talking to my parents and I'm relaying all this to her who's relaying it to him. It's Sunday night and Labor Day weekend. My parents get on the phone with my cousin who used to be a crown attorney who puts us in touch with a criminal lawyer And within 10 minutes, I'm on the phone with a criminal lawyer who's representing me because I'm not going to jail for this is ridiculous. I did nothing wrong. Yeah. It was so crazy. It has these elements of sensationalized trauma because all of a sudden I'm being accused of being the bad person when I'm fully the victim in the whole thing. My whole world just got turned upside down and then I have to deal with the fact that I might might be arrested for assault. Like, oh my God, I'm squeaky clean. I haven't even had a speeding ticket in years. You're not the one who's done time in prison. Right. (laughs) They don't seem to care that he's got this criminal past. It doesn't seem to make any difference to them. Wow. It's preposterous. So the lawyer talks to the sergeant. Like we all talk. And then apparently Jace has decided not to press charges tonight. But I'm told that he has every right to be in the house. And even though he hasn't been here in weeks, he's reinstating his right to the house. And he's moving back in. Like he never really moved out. He just stopped coming home. And I looked at the 
cops. And I'm like, but I don't feel safe here with them. How is that going to work? And they were basically like, well, if you don't feel safe, ma'am, you should you leave. Can leave. But I'm like, yeah. my business is in this house. You understand, I run a furniture and decor business and it's all in this house. How do I know if, if I leave, he's not going to pull a moving truck up and rob me blind? And the sergeant said, well, you each are only allowed to take what's yours. And I'm like, Who's oh my charge God. Like that? Most of it was mine, but like, oh my God. I was just like, I couldn't believe this was even happening. Like again, so I'm thrown into this other level of shock, just going, what am I supposed to do? I have to leave my house? This is so insane. So I had to give Jace a new key. The cops watched me hand over a new key. I was like, fine, here you go. And Jace said he wasn't going to stay here tonight, but he he would be back tomorrow morning. So the cops left, but Jace stayed for a little bit. And what he did after the cops left was he took the house in Aurora. There was a front room with two French doors and he took a phone cable and wrapped it around the two doors so I couldn't get in. And he proceeded to erase the computer. Now I'd gotten a lot of the stuff off the computer, but I didn't get everything because in my wildest dreams, I never thought he was going to come back and do that. Come back through a window. And then erase the computer. (laughs) So the cops had left, they let him go in the car. And I was just like, this is, this is nuts. So I stayed up that night. I found boxes and just threw all my shoes in a box and all my nice purses in a box. And I loaded up my car. I just took as much of my clothes and everything as possible. And the next morning left and I never slept at my house again. And yeah. And did he end up staying in the house that night or no, 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 he didn't. I don't think he ever slept there until October. So because what I didn't know for sure at that time, but I figured it out within a couple weeks is, or by for sure by Thanksgiving in the article, Jane talks about how he was disappearing in August. And like I had said, he stopped coming home. He had moved in with somebody else. He had met another woman and was already living with her and her kids. So then what happened after that? So I'm down in the city and I'm fortunate. My parents have a city place that at the time, didn't use very often. So I was holed up there, but I had spent quite a bit of money on an alarm system for the house and it was the newer kind. So there's an app so you can monitor what's happening. So Mm -hmm. I would also get notifications. I started getting on the Tuesday after Labor Day weekend notifications that this door was opened, but I noticed like it never got closed. And so I called the alarm company and asked them to remove him from the account. I'm like, he has no permissions except to use the alarm app to set the alarm, but do not let him make any changes to my account. And they said, okay, okay, okay. And basically what he was doing that day. So I actually called my one next door neighbor because where we lived in Aurora there, we lived beside a vacant lot. And then our other next door neighbor was quite a ways away, but I, I called her to ask her if she could go by my house just to see what was going on. Cause in my mind, I'm thinking, oh my God, he's pulled a moving truck up and he's emptying my furniture and decor yeah, business. Yeah. But what he had been doing was disabling all the sensors to the alarm. And then he literally ripped the alarm panel off the wall. So now all of a sudden, although a lot of my personal stuff is with me, my business is, it's all there Mm -hmm. and it's not being properly protected. So again, I think I talked to one of the detectives and I told them that, and they just didn't seem to care. They really didn't seem to think he was doing anything wrong. Again, I asked about getting a restraining order and the detective was like, good luck. I was like, wow, how is, how is the system fair? What did work in my favor was when my mom did press charge. So 
my mom went to the cops and about a week after that so now we're the second week in September the the cops the OPP did press charges for my mom's stuff so he technically he was arrested but because the evidence was so small compared to what was actually stolen I guess they felt at the time he was it's called he was released on his own reconnaissance so he never had to make bail he never had Mm -hmm. to do anything He, he has to live by the conditions on his arrest which include not communicating with me not going near me or my family but it left the Aurora house in this really weird gray area so I didn't really need to get a restraining order in the long run. It just got, went from bad to worse. And then next thing I I had to hire a lawyer just to communicate with him so I could get my own stuff back from the house. And every time I went to the house in Aurora, I had to be escorted by police. He made it very difficult. And the last time I ever talked to him though, the last conversation we ever had was the day, I guess because my parents local OPP would have been Orangeville. So apparently I guess Orangeville OPP called Aurora or OPP. And as a favor to Orangeville OPP, Aurora OPP was going to arrest him. So I guess they must've called him and said, you're being arrested. We can either come to the house or you can turn yourself in. So my mom called me. She's like, where are you? And this would have been, I think a Monday, the following Monday after Labor Day. And I said, well, I'm in Aurora. I'm at the house. I have a guy from a staging company coming to look at stuff. And she said, you might want to leave because I just heard from the OPP that he's being arrested at the house today. I'm like, seriously? And as soon as I hang up the phone with my mom, I hear him come up in my dad's truck because he's still driving around in my dad's truck. And I guess he came back to the house to drop off the truck and pick off his motorcycle. And I could see him in the garage because one of the things I noticed the alarm panel missing is there were some doorknobs missing from the house. So I could see him. I was looking through the hole where the doorknob was into the garage. And I was like, <laughs> He's like, I see you, Heather. And I'm like, yeah, well, I see you too. And, and he's like, can I come in? Do you want to talk? I said, about what? And he's like, he goes, this is the last time we're probably going to get to talk. And I'm shaking and I'm so upset. And I let him in. I said, fine. And so I let him in. And I'm sitting down at the kitchen table and he's leaning against the island. And he proceeds to tell me that I was the best thing that ever happened to him. I'm the love of his life. He was on his way home that night to work things out with me and that he never cheated on me and quote unquote, I never stuck my dick in anyone else. But the weirdest thing happened in that moment too. It was like, I got split in half and there was part of me that knew he was totally lying. And then there was the part of me that was like, oh my God, this is the person I'm in love. Still the feelings I had for the fictional the person I thought he was like it didn't just go away I was still staring at him going how can this be how can any of this be happening and now he's going to get arrested and I had a moment of feeling kind of bad but then I was like no he stole from your mom he stole from your friends he stole from your family like no 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 so yeah that was the last conversation we ever had I can see that though. And he's saying you're the love of my life. And that's what you'd believe for so long. Like he was kind of playing to that side of you, right? Mm -hmm. Probably hoping that the charges are going to go away. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, Well, they're not. It's just taking a really long time. He left me with a mess, like a huge financial mess to clean up. I didn't realize that 
he had taken things out in my name or my company's name and hadn't paid for them. I was starting to get collection notices. Think not so much loans, more like he would ship something. Like I, I wouldn't know what he had shipped and he had shipped stuff and put it in my company's name and never paid UPS or never paid Purolator. And he never paid a single hydro bill or gas bill or the bell bill, like none of that. And he had put something else in my name. I can't remember now, but I had to pay off some stuff just so my credit didn't get destroyed. Mm -hmm. But I just finally finished doing my personal income taxes expenses for it because I'm a bit behind for 2020 and 2021. And the amount of my money he spent is just, I didn't realize, like I, I wasn't paying close enough attention, but there are so many Amazon charges. He really had a good life with me because he... <laughs> He could just buy whatever he wanted whenever he wanted. My credit card and my mom's credit card were both linked to his Amazon account for the longest time. Wow. I didn't know that because I guess she had lent him her credit card. He bought my nephew a computer. He took it upon himself to find the right computer for my nephew. So my mom paid for it, but somehow he got her credit card. Anyway, he's committed so much fraud and stolen so much. It's ridiculous. And so the few charges that he's been charged with are peanuts compared to the amount of stuff he's done. And he's still doing stuff because our landlord was willing to let us both out of the lease. But then Jace made that difficult because the new girlfriend by Thanksgiving of last year had to ask him to leave her house because her family found out who he was and they didn't want him being around. So he moved back in, he stopped paying rent. Like he's just bad. Wherever he goes, he does bad things. Yeah. And he's still out there. He's still out there. He's living now. So he, he stopped paying rent at the house in Aurora and left. Did like a midnight run. I think that by that point, I'm guessing that the last little while he lived there, I think the gas and the electricity had been cut off at this point. Mm-hmm. And the landlord told me that when he finally went back in the house, um, I guess Jace never cleaned out the refrigerator. So with everything being turned off, everything in the refrigerator uh, was rotted and it was apparently like disgusting. Terrible. Yeah. yeah. He's just a bad person. Like he's a really bad person. And so where are you with all of this now? Like I'm imagining there were probably some pretty <laughs> dark days there for you. Oh God. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this time last year, so what it's early October. So this time last year, it just been like a month out of finding. Yeah, I was still, I guess, just trying to make logistic sense of how to move myself out of this house and what to do with all my stuff as well as the business. I tried to sell as much as I could, but there was a lot of stuff and I couldn't walk away from it because that was my investment and that was supposed to be my future. Mm-hmm. So I spent thousands of, he cost me so much money between just the lawyer bill, movers, storage. Plus there was a two week period between when I did my personal move and the business move that he didn't respond to my lawyer. And that gave him two weeks to go through my showroom. And I didn't realize how much he had stolen from the company. They're just little things like throw blankets and pillows and knickknacks and he stole some lamps and a really expensive lighting fixture but I didn't realize it because he graciously gave me one day or half a day to go in 
and pack up the business. And I, so I went with an army of friends and family and we just all went in there and just like pack, 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 pack. So I wasn't able to do a proper inventory. I just yeah. had to all boxes and get it out. And then the next day I went back and the movers took it away. But I still have days where I can't believe it. And I've, yeah, it, I've, since the article came out, I've talked to other victims. I don't know if victim's the right word, but like other women he has been with, both with it before me when he was with his ex and a couple during our relationship. I still have gaps in my story timeline with him, which now if he never, if he never worked, if he never went on these guys weekends, because apparently he has no friends. So if he wasn't going on guys nights or guys weekends, well, where was he going? If he didn't work at Oracle, where was he going? If he didn't have the family. So that was the other thing when I sold the furniture for his kid's bedroom and hidden under the bed. So it was a captain's bed. So it had these drawers that were like two feet deep, but the bed's three feet wide. So, so behind there was the a crawl space. So yeah. I found a stack of his family court documents with his ex. And the saddest thing of all is it had been the final order came through the family court in February of 2019. that he was only ever going to have his son twice a week for supervised visits. There was no family court case. There was no family court lawyer he had retained. It was all a lie. So all those, all those days that he was supposedly going to family court or meeting with his lawyer or where was he going? So I still have gaps in my story where I'm like, where was he going? And it's gross now to think that I basically have to think every time he left the house, he wasn't doing anything good. I feel like every time he left the house, he was either on a date or stealing or selling some stolen goods. I feel like he's just such mm. a worthless human. Do you think it's changed the way that you think about people yeah. or your ability mm. to trust people? Like, has it changed your worldview? Yes and no. I mean, I still believe in love and I feel like when I'm ready, I'll be able to trust and fall in love again. It's not, I did try dating just this past summer, but I'm just not ready to be with anyone right now. Mm. I think if anything, my red flag radar is so alert and I see things differently. So behaviors or comments that this happened that somebody might say to me now I hold on to things it's almost like I'm listening with clearer ears I feel like if anything it's made me sharper mm-hmm. it sucks because most people I've ever been with before him there's always been some common ground like you either have some friends in common or you, like you just Toronto we all know is really like two degrees of separation so everybody kind of knows everybody somehow him and I really didn't have any common people because that's partly because he really has no friends and whatever family he has, they've pretty much disowned him. So do I have to hire a private detective for the next guy I want to get serious <laughs> with? I don't know. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, do you hire a private detective? I don't know. I guess it depends. If you have, I think, some common ground, you don't have to, but I don't know. I really like to think something like this gross could never happen to me again. Yeah. Yeah. 
Landing can't strike twice, right? <laughs> right. So, right. I, I would say my guard is definitely up, will definitely be up more. Like I was telling you before we started recording, I have every single text message from day one he's ever sent me. And I have gone back a few times and read through everything. And in terms of how the, the cycle of abuse works, if the first stage being idealization is when they're love bombing you and just adoring you and the messaging, the tone of the messages definitely reflects that. Like within weeks, there's one message where he actually wrote me. He's like, like he said something like, babe, it's been three weeks and two days, but like, I feel like it's been my whole life. Like he just would send the, the, these, the, the tone in his messages for the first probably six months of our relationship were like, you're the love of my life. You're the air I need to breathe. I'm so, you've made me the lucky. I, I feel like you've made me the happiest man in the world. I can't believe how lucky I am to have met you. Like you, the, like one of them was like, those lips, they're mine. I own them now, but you can use them when you're not with me just to eat, but they're all mine. Like stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. And I am a natural flirt. So I, I welcomed, yeah. I welcomed that love bombing or like, like those flirtatious, messages because I thought I was like this is fun I'm like cool like I'll get my flirt game on with this guy and I'll go big too but within weeks we were saying I love you I love you and I know it happens but I would like to think that the next person I become serious about I, I think slow and steady wins the race I feel like it's another red flag that and they said that about the narcissist, that it goes from zero to a hundred. Within weeks, he's telling me I'm going to be the best stepmom. And we're talking about, we went to Sherway Gardens one day and like, I have videos of it. We're in Tiffany and I'm trying on a diamond engagement ring and diamond engagement rings. And it's all that future talking. I now know those are, are things that aren't normal. I think a normal guy isn't going to bombard you with messages like, the type he was sending to me but I didn't I just welcomed it because I'd never I thought it was refreshing to have a guy who's Mm -hmm. open but now I realize it's not and I don't think the average dude is really talks like that but I I would say it hasn't left me I'm not cynical and I'm not jaded I, I definitely think we're human beings and we fall in love and relationships can be beautiful. And believe me, in my not knowing and being in love with fictional Jace, I thought I had a pretty good relationship. Sure, there were some red flags, but again, he would talk his way out of them or I just, he would love bomb me even more. So I would stop asking questions. So nothing was as screaming until I literally got into the computer and realized what was going on. So when you look back, aside from the love bombing in those first six months, when you look back at things, do you, do you in retrospect, can kind of see those red flags? Oh, yeah. They were there? Okay. Yeah. In a way. Well, I think it's weird that I never, like, the biggest red flag, I guess, is just the fact that I never did meet the kid in three years. Like, had it been a normal situation, should have never dragged out that long for what it really was because he wasn't married to that woman. It really was just about custody. And I'm so glad she got full custody. I do feel, I feel kind of bad for that kid because he does get to see his dad twice a week. And for three years, I would sit there and hear stories and watch videos and listen in on FaceTimes. And that little boy 
definitely loves his dad. But at a certain yeah. point, they can't keep lying to this kid. But the family was another, but he had his mother was dead and his stepdad after his mom's death just kind of moved on and he hated his dad. But I now know that every parental figure in his life is dead. He had told me his biological father was still alive, but I don't know why he told me that because he's dead. The money with him was always a bit, like, I just couldn't understand. Like, I'm like, but if you're working for Oracle and you're making this good salary, why don't you have money saved up to pay your half of the first and last month's rent? How is it you don't have this kind of money? Why are you spending from the biz my business bank account? Right. And it was always, always child support, paying the lawyer, family court. And I mean, the thing of it is, is the good excuse for where money is going, number one. And number two, I think... I mean, even if someone who does have children, like, I don't know anything about family court and how that no. goes, right? Yeah. And it's one of those things that how much do you want to ask or know or what is the appropriate question to ask, especially like in the early stages. And then you probably get to a point a couple years in where it's almost like maybe I should have asked this question before and now can I ask it? Yeah. And then COVID kind of changed the whole world, right? All of a sudden- Everything took longer, right? Yeah. And we're on lockdowns. And to be honest, I thought it was fun. The first couple of weeks of it, I was like, this is crazy. Every day we had the World Health Organization website up and we're watching the numbers grow and we're locked in at home. And we were living in a thousand square foot condo then too. I thought it was all kind of, I don't know. I loved it. In a way, I kind of loved the fact that we were forced to be together that much. I thought it was well, kind of fun. you were in love and you got to just like <laughs> yeah. hang out together, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Ooh. And the family court, it did. It provided that perfect alibi. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I realized too, in a way, because he kind of set it up so well too, to make it seem like early on in our relationship, he said something to me. Like, Father, if you're a 10, my ex is a two. And he's like, you're, you're so beautiful. And you're just so this. And you're so like, he would pump my ego up mm -hmm. and kind of put her down. And then when I offered to go to family court with him one day, he's like, no, 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 Heather. So in January of 2019, I actually took him for a consult with a family lawyer because his ex had hired a really nasty one, a good one, but it one that I've had friends use for their high profile divorces and he's, he's nasty. So I was like, you need proper representation thinking that they were going to trial and all this stuff. So I took him and paid for a consultation with this lawyer who I thought he had retained this whole time. But in that meeting, the lawyer said a couple of things. And one of the things she said in that meeting was because at that point it was January, the trial was supposed to be starting in March. She said, Heather has every right to meet your son, but maybe best until we have a settlement to, not introduce her so as not to rock the boat and he would use that comment that the lawyer made throughout the entire rest of our relationship he'd be like and the lawyer's name was also heather and he'd be like you were in the room you heard what heather said heather said that we should wait till there's a settlement i'm like that was two years ago do you really think she feels the same way now this is preposterous surely not and he's like she just keeps saying that we should wait until it's settled i'm like okay and it got to the point where i actually just stopped caring yeah. I kind of felt like it's really just the two of us and we love each other so much and we're like we have this awesome coupledness and I would almost sometimes think like unlike his ex because they had a kid it was always like they'd only 
been together a couple months when she got pregnant. And I was like, they never really got the opportunity to see couple. I liked it because I got all the attention. Yeah. So it wasn't so bad. It's almost like it was hard to miss what I didn't know I was missing, except towards the very end, I was just, I was starting to get a little, I remember I was starting to get a bit resentful. I just was starting to feel really left out because I wanted to be part of it. And it was just taking so long. Yeah. It was never good. He's going and meeting with his kid. And so twice a week, you're not there. Yeah. And I was happy for him. And I never, ever wanted to take that away from him. I would send him off with snacks. His ex told me like, she genuinely, she thought he had changed with me because I guess I provided such a nice, stable life for him. When he would go on his visits while he was with me, he was kind and attentive and present. And she said since the dissolution of our relationship that his visits, he's been a bit up and down, a bit bullying, often on his phone, takes calls from the new girlfriend, things I would never do. I would always send him with healthy snacks like apples and carrots. And I always made sure he was going prepared because I was like, this will look good in court. They can't say he's not showing up for his visits without change of clothes and this and that. You set up a bedroom for this kid. You were ready to welcome him into your home, obviously. And he knew. I know. I remember the day I found those documents under the bed. It was almost just like getting into the computer because there was also a bag with all this other stuff, including a letter that he had gotten also in January of 2019 from the family responsibility office, denying him a passport because he was so behind in child support payments from his first marriage. Wow. Oh, so he couldn't get a passport. Yeah. Next thing they should take away is driver's license because I don't think he pays any child support. But, and then founding the stack of documents for the family court and all of a sudden I'm reading through them and realizing, oh, he was up to all of this no good stuff the whole time he was with his ex too. He never stopped doing it. Wild. I know. So yeah, you're right. Lightning doesn't strike twice. There's no way. (laughs) Hopefully he goes back to prison. Hopefully. Well, there are some, some charges pending. Yeah. Yeah. It's going through the court system now. It's taking forever forever yeah he knows how to work the system too right like oh yeah that's partly why when a long time yeah like so when the cops came that night he wasn't maybe maybe he was nervous and he just wasn't showing it but this is probably the longest he's having like I said I learned a lot about his past from the article as well and it sounds like this is probably the longest stint he has been out of jail because I think before he'd been like she says in the article like he cycled in and out of jail so Mm -hmm. he needs to go back (laughs) because he's good at what he does right well this is the thing about narcissists right i think they are good he's also definitely got psychopath tendencies too psychopathy because Mm. narcissists narcissism is for he definitely has that but when you add in all the criminal elements it's just I don't know it's very interesting though so after everything I went to Thailand for the winter because I knew I needed to just get away or else I was probably going to have a nervous breakdown and I just wanted to go far and warm and for at least two months so 
I went away and I started since then reading up on all these psychopathy, sociopathy, narcissism, anti-borderline personality disorder, you name it, I've read up on it. And they're very overlapping a lot of the traits. Yeah. yeah. And that's just you trying to piece together what the fuck happened. Yeah. And it's right? also really hard to admit I was abused. I was in a very mm-hmm. abusive yeah. relationship. I wasn't getting punched in the face, but I was definitely being manipulated, being controlled. I'd lost my sense, my personal sense of power. He took that away from me. The moving to Aurora, like, do you think that was, because a lot of times you hear about with narcissists and abuse, they try to separate you from your family and friends. Yeah. Was that made to seem like a joint decision? But do you really think that that's more what it was? He had planted it in my ear, like that he, from early on in the relationship, that he was more of a suburban guy. Like he was happier in the suburbs. And he had said, what caused his first marriage to fall apart, which isn't true, is that they had been living in the beach and they moved to Oakville and his first wife was, he says, like, you two are actually quite a bit alike. She's a real city girl. And when we moved from the city to Oakville, it was the beginning of the end of our relationship because she was so unhappy being in Oakville. And I was like, I love Oakville. I Like, I was okay moving out of the city. I was ready to try something different. And I think had COVID not happened and we moved, I might've felt a bit more isolated, but I was already feeling isolated because of COVID. I swear it's like, it worked so well in his favor. The timing of that. I I would imagine you guys wouldn't, it wouldn't have lasted as long had. I wonder because again, he used to always say to me too, he's like, you always have to think as a parent, you have to always think five steps ahead. There were some times in our relationship where we might have a little tiff and he would, he would look at me and be like, are you breaking up with me? And he, and at the time I couldn't really pinpoint what the tone was, but now I think he was saying that almost in an incredulous way, because I think at that point he probably didn't have a plan B yet. So I think when he met this woman that last in July or August, it was the perfect next, segue for him and I think he realized too after getting out of prison that it's great to be with a woman who has means that he can kind of sponge off of so, yeah yeah I mean who wouldn't want that right and the sad thing <laughs> is like, like that I'm not gonna like be a narcissist yeah. about it <laughs> although the Toronto Life article is out there that's just one little article right not everybody reads Toronto Life so right unless you Google the person you're with, but it's easy enough for him to change his name again. Well, yeah, he's done it before. Like, he'll obviously do it again. I feel like he is savvy enough in all of that to make it, you know, work in his... And that's the other thing with with the criminal system. You need hard evidence for them to pursue your claim. You have to have some pretty darn good, solid evidence. And... How do you get evidence when you don't know you've been stolen from? Unless you plant cameras and catch him on camera or you catch him selling it, it's very hard to prove what he's done. And who would you know? even think to have any of that stuff? I when know. You're, right? Like, it's messed up. Yeah, it's pretty messed up. So you spent last winter in Thailand. You tried dating this summer. It didn't work out for you right now. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like super, I think, understandable. I just 
yeah, I, I just don't feel there yet. I feel like I still need to kind of get back on my feet, especially I've had to shut down that furniture and decor business, which is too bad. A couple of people have asked me if they think I'll start it up again. And I, I think, no, I think I'd rather just throw myself back into the real estate career that I always did so well at until I moved to Aurora. Well, yeah, I think, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm, I'm actually going to Bahamas next week for a real estate retreat. Nice. Program. Yeah, it's gonna be really fun. And then when I come back, I'm just all in. So if anyone looking to buy or sell a house, let me know. <laughs> so my best advice to any woman, I think you have to follow your heart. And and I, I did talk to one woman who dated him when he was Jason Porter in the very first round of all of this. And mm-hmm. she basically was a self-proclaimed cynical person. And so when a few weeks into dating him, when he started talking about marriage, she's like, I'm cynical. I just knew he was full of, full of it. But I think it's a risk you take when you fall in love is that you might get your heart broken. Right. And mm-hmm. I'd rather take the risk again and feel that joy. I also feel very much like you look at the law of polarity where everything has two sides and those sides are equal and opposite. I feel now like if I went so far on this way in terms of anguish and hurt and grief that when I fall in love again, I want to go that extreme with the feeling good. And I don't know if I'll ever have that crazy passion that him and I had. That would be great, but I want the, the, deep love like that mm-hmm. connection where it's real joy like ecstasy serenity I want to go that far this direction next yeah. as opposed to that direction well I think when you're speaking about the like passion and the fire and the like fires go out yeah and even those really big intense emotions in the other way they don't last right I think what I probably miss the most is just that companionship, companionship. I used to love running errands with him where we just go and we'd go grocery shopping we go to home depot i love the company and the companionship and that's that's where again my story is so different than tinder swindler because we weren't jet setting or living a high life we were just a very normal person i feel like if anything my story is just a real cautionary love tale yeah i think it's i mean there are a lot of narcissists out there in the I know. world and men and women. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it serves to share stories like this, just so those things that maybe seem like this amazing start to a relationship, you can see as like, mm, well, maybe that's mm-hmm. a red flag. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, There's a whole list of them. Yeah. They include the future talking, putting down the X's. There's so many. And I think, like I said, I feel like my red flag radar is very in mm-hmm. tune and hopefully it does stay in tune because yeah I I, I don't yeah. I don't want to not date or fall in love because of this yeah. yes because then he's kind of one and yeah yeah he does I also that. Feel like <laughs> it was funny after the article came out I got a lot of messages via Instagram and Facebook from women who I do not know who would were saying just like you're so brave. Thank you for speaking up. I went through this, blah, 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 blah. And even some of the other 
women who I know he's been with who have told me they feel embarrassed, they feel ashamed, they're afraid. I feel like when we stay quiet, it only gives him more fuel for his fire to keep going and going and going. And I I don't think in his wildest dreams, he thought I would stand up to him and, and talk about my story so publicly. I'm writing a book about my experience and total work in progress. And it's a lot <laughs> harder than I thought, but we'll see. I hope lots of people listen to this. And if you're in a relationship and something doesn't feel right, don't ignore it. And if you're mm-hmm. with the right person and it's a healthy relationship, you should be able to talk to them and not feel nervous about it and not feel like you can't talk to them. But with him, it was just always this push, pull, push, pull. He would, he would always make himself out to be the victim. So if I did try to talk to him and push him for stuff, it would just blow up. So it got to the point where I just stopped asking some stuff, but Mm -hmm. if it's real true love, you shouldn't have to not have the confidence to have a candid, hard conversation with the person you love. And they should be able to listen and speak openly and be heard where both sides can hear. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing with us. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Now What Pod. If you've enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. Your ratings and reviews help more people like you find our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with someone you think would love it. You can find us on social media at the Now What Pod. Until next time, we're Tisha and Jen. Remember, your story matters and you do too.